Hello everyone, and welcome to Paul and Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and a deep dive into video games and what make them so special to us. I'm your host, Paul Berberich, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We are back. We are back indeed. How's that Wednesday air treating you out in Caliway? Oh, man. You don't actually want the answer to this question. Well, you know, <laughs> it was like 36 today, which equivalent to your 65 or whatever you're looking at. Upper. I am I am pointing upward. Yes. 72. 80. Higher. It is like 80 degrees okay. here today. Okay. If anything, it's a little too warm for February, to be perfectly honest. I actually like it when we don't get anything resembling a summer temperature until at least late April for Southern California, because as you know, I'm partial to seasons. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's quite nice. It's not at the level of hot where it's like unpleasantly hot. It's a nice, dry, hot 80 degrees, dry, nice. warm, very, very warm. Yeah, 80 is very warm. It's not just like pleasantly warm for sure. But still, in, in the, the bandwidth of temperatures that I like. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's been a windows open kind of day. I just, just closed up the window to keep any weird neighborhood noises off the pod, closed up the door to keep any weird cat noises off of the pod. Mm -hmm. um, you know, locked here in, uh, in this blank void of podcasting. No. <laughs> but yeah yeah no it's it's been it's been nice down here for the last few and um uh one last non-games related thing for this week i am going back to campus tomorrow for oh, the wow. first time since pre-omicron when i was in there a little irregularly but it is our spring professional development day i'm going to be in a hopefully sparsely attended auditorium for an hour and a half running a live training in a probably more full than I would like room for about an hour. Mm -hmm. But the only cases of person-to-person -person COVID transmission that have happened this entire time at El Camino College have been in instances where people were doing stupid things like eating lunch in a small room with their masks off. Mm -hmm. Our campus policy actually says you're not allowed to, to do that. You okay, that's have masks on at all times. So what that tells me is that for my own micro sample thus far, between the va vaccine and masking policy, when everybody's actually following everything, in spite of Omicron, we haven't had person-to-person -person transmission on campus, except when people have been like breaking the rules. Right. So um, shockingly enough, <laughs> the guidance from our medical professionals has seemed to hold up even against Omicron. And I'm assuming all of the predictions and all of the case spread of Omicron has been more due to the fact that people just can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. a lot of people who, I know plenty of people who are vaccinated and boosted and who have still gotten a case of Omicron. Admittedly, they've all been like three, four day cases, basically, if they were boosted. I don't know anyone who's had like a nasty out for two weeks sick kind of situation. Yeah. Who, who had the boost, but, um, but certainly a lot more people getting it. And I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, if you want to go to a place and have beverage or food and you have uh, <clears throat> numbers that are like as high as they've been for positive test positivity rates, then you're kind of just expecting you're probably going to get sick, but Hey, those numbers are way, way down again. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, New York has come back down to pre Omicron levels. So okay, huh. it's yeah. startling. I saw this graph, the spike from Omicron in New York. It's so massive. The case positivity spike, it massively eclipses any of the previous waves. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it you know, it's like I, the, the number of deaths aren't, probably as high as they were from from those previous waves i haven't looked at the data on that part but um 
but wow, a whole lot of people got the bug. Yeah. Um, just pop, pop a little extra vitamin D if that's not already part of your, uh, regimen. Um, noted. I will get on uh, that. Increasing evidence that, uh, that is like one of the main factors when it comes to the severity of illness is your, your vitamin D, your vitamin D levels. levels. Yeah. Well, and apparently, you know, there's no evidence yet that smoking marijuana prevents COVID. Right. But there is evidence that's, you know, CBN blocking receptors somehow pre- prevents COVID. So, you know, maybe just get a little high. Maybe. Or, you know. <laughs> or don't. You know. I'm not tell- to be held accountable for any medical advice given on this podcast. No, I am, however. Uh, I'm, I'm licensed. So any, you know, malpractice suits, send them my way. Absolutely. Um, you know, anything to get a, a little bit in that in that mailbox. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, right. Exactly. You want to send us some cease and desists? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's cool. We'll run with it because we will go ahead and turn that around into a news story, get some press, get some listeners. You can guest um, on the show. And, uh, you know, get a guest on the show. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So any, uh, any gaming news for you this week? There is a bit. I finally got my hot little hands on Vampire Survivors. Oh, you got uh, it functioning for you, eh? Yeah, uh, they put out a Mac version. Oh, they did? And even though my Mac is like, I would assume, somewhat less powerful than my old gaming PC, it runs quite smooth uh, with this new Mac version. And it's good, man. It's it's approaching uh, Loop Hero levels of compulsion. I, I feel like if it was a complete Uh-oh. game, like because it is an early access. Um, right. And if, if you didn't know it was an early access, you wouldn't really think it was missing anything, but... You would just think it was kind of a small game? Yeah, but like, it, once it's feature complete, I feel like it will be giving Loop Hero a, a run for its money. Um, the, just the, the power curve, like it's this perfect balance of like, you start out, it's kind of easy, you're collecting stuff, moving around, and then after five minutes, you're like, shit, I'm going to die. This is bad. <laughs> and then you get the right upgrade and then all of a sudden you are just lawn mowing your way through literally hundreds of skeletons and werewolves and uh medusas and and whatnot um and frankenstein's monsters and it's it's just so so compelling so pure all you're doing is moving you know the game handles all the the weapons and stuff automatically um so you're upgrading your cooldown times, your your blast radius of your various attacks, and your character's speed, that kind of thing. But otherwise, the weapons all just fire off on their own. Um, and just to get to play it to my heart's content, not be limited by like, well, this guy streamed one run, and that's all I'm gonna see of it today. And it's like, no, I can just I can just roll another. Brilliant. No, that's not the right application. Come to my hot little hands. Hmm. Your hands are hot too. That's that's concerning. Well, no, no, that's just a figure of speech. I'm I'm just um, here on on Steam. You're burning your hands. I, on yeah, I'm Steam. wasting. I'm wasting no time. It, I, I'm assuming this early access for Mac is on Steam. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, three, I'm here. Three ducks. Yes. That's all it's going to cost you. Nothing. It's adding to the cart. It's got quite the scary vampire man yeah. uh, going on here. I am purchasing for this for myself. Thank you. Dracula Steve. himself. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree to your terms and conditions. And mm. I, you already have my purchasing information. That's right. That's right, Gabe Newell. You've, you've, you've just, you got me again. You won again. <laughs> Man, I'm never going to beat him. It's the ultimate game of not buying games. And I lose every time. Yeah. He's, he's got us dead to rights. <laughs> well, cool, man. Yeah. Consider it cued. We will be able to get more in depth on that one next week. Nice. Yeah, most excellent. And that's um, mostly it for me. Still playing some Mancala with Joanna on the Switch. Most excellent. to be a classic, uh, you know, a lot of good come from behind moments and just, oh, I'm going to win. This is great. And then I make one move that's just, and then it just, waterfalls the from there and yeah. like, god no i lost yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's it'll stuff. happen it'll happen to you that way yeah right on excellent excellent it's so interesting it's almost its own like we should just do a timeout one of these days to talk about conceptually board game ports for uh as video games um it's uh it's certainly a unique topic i don't know maybe i'll just throw that on the list for uh, for something i love about sure Hard to say, hard to say, but it's it's almost more expansive than that. There are so many different directions and facets of, of that practice of successfully or not so successfully porting a board game to, to the video game uh, platform. And, and even weird questions like board game arena, um, you know, with any given game, how much is it truly a video game just got ported, you know? Mm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we can, <laughs> we can dive into that sometime. Maybe get a... A guest who might have something to say about that—that that could be interesting. absolutely, absolutely. If I if I dig up a guest, uh, any any listener out there who spends a lot of time, say, on Board Game Arena and wants to talk about it as as video game, like, uh, hey, let us know. We would love to dig, dig on that topic. Sure. Uh, how about you? You've been digging on any uh, games yourself? Oh week? man, I'm in the probably penultimate act of Kena. Okay. Um. And uh, yeah, again, I'm not going to spoil game progression for you by saying what that means, but based on game structure, it, it seems fair to call this either the, the final or, or penultimate act. It just depends on how you want to uh, talk about the, the structure of the game in this particular instance. And again, no, no major spoilers. This game has made me cry twice. Oh boy. So, um, you know, I feel like, like the first time I felt like, man, I've said that. And so if people come and they encounter this game, they might have their expectations set too high. But then I've had the experience, right, of getting to a second such moment in the game and feeling like, I don't know if this is going to be able to affect me because yeah. I've already had that such a moment with this game. And so I feel more confident, actually, like if you are in the space to, to be moved emotionally by a game, it doesn't matter that you've had a warning that this game might move you emotionally. Hmm. Um, the progression just continues to be great. The fights are just great. The... Um, you know, the game, the movement in the game in general, the, the puzzly platformy aspects of it, just fantastic game. It's just continues to be a fantastic game. It has chewed up the vast majority of my gaming time in the, in the last week. Um, I guess my other major update is I have finally accessed the whispering Creek in farm RPG. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't kidding about how there were some extra FUs with the corn collection. You're like, Hey, so you thought you uh, had finished corn jail. Well, now you have a robot that wants to be fed corn constantly. Oh, yeah. 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 And it wants more corn at once than you had ever given before. It asked for like 400 corn at some point or something like that. I'm like, mm -hmm. really, really? That's okay. That's okay. And then like a little bit of, um, of a cliffhanger narratively, once you have gotten back to town, uh, you know, and you're, you're, um, 
confrontation is the wrong word. Star isn't having a confrontation with you. I, I, I'm unsure who he's in, in, in conflict with, uh, whether it's, uh, what's his name? His name starts with a P or if it still involves the rabbit, Frank. I don't know exactly, but uh, it is something that's delighted me about this game is how sometimes the narrative is just, it gives zero fucks about whether the player really gets it. It's yeah. like, no, these are mysterious events going on between these, these characters in the town. And unlike what would typically happen in an RPG where you're brought into every meaty detail of everything that's between these people, yeah, sometimes no, nah, no, nah, you're just you're just uh, out there as as the errand boy running tasks for them. You don't really know what the fuck is going on with them. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I had a character be like introduced, sort of out of nowhere, but it was like, oh, you know this guy and you know what he's up to, and like I don't think I've ever seen that character <laughs> portrait before, but here we are. <laughs> So let's go for it. Yeah. yeah. But no, that's uh that's fun. It's it's nice to get into a new area. Yeah. It's gonna be a long time before I access uh the uh the final fishing zone, the big island. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm yeah, I'm on islands are hard to catch, and man, that's a lot of fish to catch. That is it faux is. show. It but is. uh but yeah, it's cool though. It's cool. Farm RPG keeps sticking along for me too. So had a lot of tiny little bit of deep rock digging in the last week too, but nothing too nothing too major to get into. So yeah. But yeah, a good week for gaming. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, uh, oh, what was I going to say about, oh yeah, with Farm RPG, they updated it today and now um, Apple Cider is available again for non-beta people. Oh, good. You can spend like a thousand stamina at a time, uh, which is very useful uh, for, for me. So yeah, I've already like chugged. Uh, like so you like down 40 some, li- some lemonades, you down, down a bunch of, uh, well, I guess actually I'm on a good part of the way towards a thousand stamina, but you could down a few, um, a few orange juices or, uh, you know, 20 of them or something and then burn through them real fast. Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm sitting on over 500,000 stamina anyway, so I don't even have to worry about the 500,000 stamina. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes, man. Um, I'm also 500,000 gigawatts. <laughs> Jumping gigawatts. <laughs> I'm uh at I think 7.3 billion silver. I'm I'm saving up for that's a lot of silver. Uh, for the 10 billion for the next row of crops. Gotcha. Uh, Man, I'm just trying silver. to get to my first billion so I can upgrade a freaking pet. Yeah. Yeah. Which honestly, at the rate that I'm going, I'm going to get there before I have collected all these damn gold leaves that I need. And so it's gonna be oh. very, you know, barrister ribbles, my frog, because Farming gold leaves, man, they are such a low, low, low drop rate and they're expensive when they yeah. when they come up in the store. So, well, I may just buy some more gold, too. Um, you know, I, I I believe the frog is going to be the first to ascend to level six, even though I've been faithfully otherwise taking each pet in order. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those odd like there's nothing that is dictating that you do this, but I feel this allegiance. The cat should get upgraded first. OK. You know, he nice. was the first one to join my eclectic crew. So, you know, he deserves the first upgrade, but I'm sorry, buddy. Um, the frog gives me gold leaves. He's, he's, I, it might be short-sighted of me. I might regret it as soon as I've turned in this quest. I just didn't expect that, you know, stars tower divided was going to require even more gold leaves after the last quest that required gold leaves, just right. leaves, whatever. So yes, yeah. gold leaves of grass. <laughs> a famous poem by the local village poet of farm rpg buddy buddy he's a he's a savant (laughs) he is he truly is he truly is um cool well uh let us uh get into our first feature of the show then it's time for our game ranks 
Yeah, let's rank it up. Agents are go. There we go. Do I need to wave my arms back and forth now? I think I do. It's true. I am ranking elite beat agents this week. Now let's just let this sound just play for just another second of just pure episodic beauty. Yeah. Here we are, mission three. Yep, and there they are. There's, there's the, arms. the arms. Yep. Yeah, I figured, you know, you being out in Caliway, give you a little skater boy. This is, when I was looking up the soundtrack of this game, um, or I was actually looking for a video to roll this game into, I was like, wait a second, was, this is the song where I was like, did they do a re-release of this game? I don't remember Skater Boy being in this game. Um, okay, I remember this one with the And yet, woman. lo and behold, yeah. Yeah, like now I'm remembering it, yeah. right? I probably should have just watched a little bit more of the video. And um, yeah, that's, that's pretty solid. So I mean, Elite Beat it, Agents. <laughs> Swell. My, and my nice cuts. fade out. Yeah. I know. I know. It's um it's an, it's the new style, folks. Get ready for it. Right. Elite Beat Agents is gonna sit solidly in my number 40 spot. I've got a couple of musical classics sitting right back to back with each other with rock band at, at 39 and Elite Beat Agents coming in at 40. This is the first DS game that I have ranked. Uh the mm. Nintendo DS was actually the first um first handhold held uh gaming. And honestly, the only dedicated hand, handheld gaming platform that I've owned to date. Uh, I spent a lot of time with it. I don't own it anymore. I do kind of regret that because yeah. it was such a, a workhorse. It was so sturdy. There are some other DS games that will definitely make it into my rankings eventually. You know, I have um, at least one game on here um, in the form of Magic Clash of Heroes, which I played with you on DS, but which I never owned on that platform. Um, but Elite Beat Agents, I feel, is a, a really good entry uh, as far as like a first one, it's one of the first games I cause. Yeah. Oh no, I haven't put Phoenix Wright on here yet either. Um, another one <clears throat> that was of course a DS experience for me that, um, although I'm, I'm arguably tempted with Phoenix, Wright To, uh, pick it up on it's on steam at this point has been for a while. Like the ACE attorney chronicles. Yeah. Uh, get a lot of ACE attorney for my money. Um, but I think elite beat agents was one of the earlier games that I, that I picked up on DS. Either you or Dan Norton of Filament Games recommended it to me because um, I was getting a lot of game recommendations from Dan at the time, too. And um, I mean, what can I say? It is such a completely ridiculous fucking concept. And it was such a fun game. It is, you know, it's it's your rhythm game boiled down to, to pretty much the simplest of tapping for the most part. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you've got your diminishing circles that are giving you you know, your timing for when you need to hit them and you're getting your agents to do your moves in time with as you tap your circles. Um, but how, how bonkers is it? What a ludicrous concept that these people are in help around the world and that you are going to help them with music and dance, except mm -hmm. that like, you know, except that you're dressed like secret agents in black suits and ties and only with like utterly fabulous hair. Reference. Totally, totally fantastic fresh hair. Um, so, you know, it's kind of uh, a touch of men in black going on in there. I, uh, when was, when was, he, was, was this game released? How about that? Google, tell me when it was released 2006. So that would actually track. Um, it's not impossible that there was a little MIB influence in terms of the thinking of like, well, what a secret agents only something else totally ridiculous. Um, well, I mean, oh yeah, never mind, never mind. Cause the original MIB is like a few years before that, right? Oh, uh, nine to be to be exact. 
there you go. That's more yeah. than a few. Yeah. Right. A near decade. So, so it might've been in the, in the broader genetics of how people were thinking about uh, the sci-fi super agent genre by that point. I don't know. Um, one of the standout things about this game is that they have all these banging songs and that I'm pretty sure none of them, like they licensed the songs. They didn't license the original versions. Right. So it always sounds just that tiny, tiny little bit off on basically all of the tracks. It, it, like you need to kind of be, it, it's got that deeply uh, karaoke quality to it of like being at a, at a karaoke bar with somebody getting on stage and killing it. But if you weren't having a few drinks at the karaoke bar, it would sound just a little tacky because it's just <laughs> not, it's not quite right. It's not quite right. Like it's a little bit too tight in some ways. And, and the vocal timbre is just a little funky, but none of that really matters at the end of the day. Um, this was definitely one of the games that had me absolutely in love with the DS. Um, and, oh my God, it has your classic um, two-part final boss battle uh, at, at the end of it, where, where you do part one of the alien invasion with, uh, with Hoobastanks without a fight. Uh, before they roll you into, oh no, the agents have been abducted and so the whole world has to rally and dance to save them with Jumpin' Jack Flash as performed by Bill Fogarty. Um, and man, I do not know how many fucking times I failed that Jumpin' Jack Flash. I just know that it was a lot more than any other mission in the game. Um, although probably not the most frustrating fail since that would be the one, um, mission 12 is you're the inspiration. Yeah, with, is with that the one with the pug? Oh, no, the dead dad. Okay, yeah. Dead dad. No, not the pug trying to find... Yeah, it's a Christmas gift, mission number 12. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, a pug's life, uh, 400 miles from home. That was mission number six with Highway Star. <laughs> I remember rocking that one out. That was great. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, you just got to throw a dead dad mission in there. Just, just force people to cry over the stupidest fucking thing. Right. But yeah, delightful game. Any uh, any recollections you'd like to share about EBA at this time? Yeah, it just seemed really fresh. Um, and definitely. having a game like that on a handheld, you know, uh, was was definitely a novel experience at the time. You know, with the songs, with the you know, slightly shoddy bit rate, but still sounding good. Uh, it still did for, sound for what good. It was. And yeah, the covers remind me of uh, like the early uh, Guitar Hero games before that blew up before they could afford to license the real versions and they would have oh, yeah. the, as made famous by you mm -hmm. know uh and some of them were, were were better than others but um yeah there was a definite chapter where rhythm games were were bigger in in the gamer consciousness they're they're very niche sort of now i mean there's like vr stuff which is which is kind of in in the zeitgeist a little bit but um, the Beat Saber. I have not tried Beat Saber yet. Yeah, it looks it looks it looks cool. It, yeah, I've heard people say it's a great game. I believe it. You know, yeah. um, you know, I I think it was tempting as I was thinking about this game to throw uh, Rhythm Heaven in instead. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was the DS version of of Rhythm Heaven. Yeah. Uh, after the uh, after the Wii version, um, and that's going to be on my list eventually too. Yeah. But I, th this is one of those games where it was like the time of it. Uh, the, the, and I mean, and yeah, using a lot of really popular tunes, even if they're slightly janky covers, uh, is, is certainly a hook. I, and it's kind of everyday ridiculousness as opposed to Rhythm Heaven, which is like truly obscure, bizarre 
uh, kind of extra Japanese ridiculousness. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, it was a good time. And uh, at, at the right moment, definitely, like I said, it was one of the games that really got me excited about the platform. Yeah. Um, I wonder, did you ever play one called Feel the Magic XY slash XX? Um, no. Okay. That was that... another sort of rhythmy game on, on the DS. Um, <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, that's, a, that's an odd title going on right there. There's there's one point it's near the end of the game where you are performing like CPR and you're like tapping on the the heart icon and then actually like blowing into the microphone. Oh, the microphone blowing <laughs> mechanic, which was yeah. not my favorite thing on that yeah. platform. There's at least one of the Zelda games that used that, and I was just like, ah, oh, yeah. not never, great. Never been a fan of of forced waggle, but you know, at least that's another thing that's kind of gone gone by the wayside. It's true. It's true. Uh, I mean, arguably so have bad quick time events. I haven't seen anything too recently that was like, you know, bad UI that has been forgotten. Right. Thankfully forgotten. Mercifully. Well, um, what is not forgotten is my next game. And uh, Ooh, a big deal. None other than Disco Elysium. Um, it's my new number 36 game i uh you know got to a point where it's like okay i'm gonna rank this game now and then i looked at some other games on my list and like it's because i'm i'm trying as best i can to put them in order as as i go unlike Uh, me i'm much more ragtag about this yeah but i'm like i (laughs) I was gonna say this is the first hop you've had in a little while yeah yeah going going down to, to number 36 um but i'm like it just has to be a little bit higher than say you know wind waker or uh, a couple of others um you know spoken about this game um uh, a few times you know over the the months here but uh what a, a special experience it's you know unlike anything i played before in 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 some ways you know it's like a point and click adventure detective game sure. but uh it's got like the best story in a video game uh, you know, this this mystery, it's got the best Kim, uh, Kim Kutsuragi, your, uh, your partner, who again, I would, I would do anything for, uh, you know, I, I, I really want to play through the game again, and I want to see different things, but I can't be mean to Kim. I can't be rude to Kim, let alone like racist or, or anything like, oh, man, I haven't even seen racist options yet, but I haven't gotten that uh, far in the game. You know, it's, but I have certainly seen some some rude options. I've yeah. even early in the game as I am, have felt the need to avoid those. He's just like so just supportive in spite of you being a just fuck up. Right, and contemplative and thoughtful and like and sort of mild mannered, but still you know there's there's an edge, there's a quiet power within Kim, and then your own character who is a massive fuck up in whatever way you would kind of want to go uh you know um i won't go into too many specifics um uh and also there is so much that i haven't seen you know the way the game works with its uh passive checks of your skills is is very interesting um because you'll just be walking through the environment and based on your scores and these different things automatically the game will be feeding you you know, things you're seeing, things you're sensing, you're feeling, 
Um, it's always making these checks in the background if you succeed or fail at, you know, your electrochemistry wanting you to smoke a cigarette butt out of an ashtray. Or, out of the ashtray, sure. Um, you know, any <clears throat> any number of things like that. Um, and the world feels real. It feels like a real lived-in place. The people feel real. The consequences are are real. Like I was mean to a kid uh, once, and like it went. It didn't go in the way I expected. It went in a way that was so much worse. Like and made me feel like a piece of shit, which you should. Is this very early in the game? Yeah. Oh yeah, no. So I've had that experience then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Kuno, Kuno's got it coming, but it's also not his fault in a way, you know? It's like, also not his fault. He is victim of poverty. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it, and so, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm like, okay, good. I hope there aren't too many other opportunities to be mean to kids because it felt bad enough that one time. Although I think I feel like I learned my lesson, but you never know because maybe it's the right move down the road. I, yeah. yeah. So are we talking, so you punched him too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause oh. he like got increasingly mouthy to me. Yeah. And I felt like I didn't have another option and I probably had exhausted the available options. I was like, oh, screw it. I'll try punching him. Yeah. <laughs> I felt terrible about it. I felt really terrible about it. And the worst thing about it is it works. Like yeah. he recognizes it and respects it and responds to it. And it's and like, he's oh, really beaten at home. And you're just like, oh God, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, why would a game let you hit a kid? And why, why would I, <laughs> granted, this was my second playthrough. I didn't, I didn't hit him in my, my first. Like, <laughs> no, that was like, me. Thanks. Like some <laughs> monsters I know. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, there's no, you know, well, aside from maybe hitting a kid, there's very little black and white. It's only depressing shades of, of gray uh, in, in the world. You know, many times there's no right answers. Um, and so much that I never did or saw, uh, I definitely just need to play it again, uh, which is challenging because, you know, I sort of know the central mystery or at least some of it and takes the wind out of your sails a little bit. But uh, uh, yeah, definitely on my to play again list. I guess that's the thing with big narrative games is that um, it becomes much more like a reread of a book or a rewatch of a movie where it's got to have enough depth that you're looking for nuance and flavor. In this case, there's choices too that'll allow you to explore and experience different things. Mm -hmm. But as far as the big moves of a big narrative game, like you basically know where it's going to go. So, you know, you're, you're, you're looking to fill out the edges with it, with the desire to replay. Yeah. All righty. Well, let's uh, move ahead then into the next feature of the show. And Moses, we don't have too many more of these, I am happy to say, uh, because it is time once again for Elden Ring Watch. What have we got days. this week? We've got 15 days. 15 days, 5 get? hours, 1 minute, and 22 seconds. Oh man, is there, are you looking at like a real-time clock? I or? am indeed. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, we are, I mean, two weeks, it's it's incredible um for this week uh i wanted to share um just a little bit of new information in the in the vein of things that we have already discussed uh with uh three new starting classes okay. um that have been released um we have the uh hero class 
and the Vagabond. Um, okay. The uh, Vagabond is described as an exiled knight with solid armor, with a solid armor-clad origin. They appear to wield a great sword. Uh, and the hero is a lightly armored warrior equipped with a battle axe uh, okay. said to be descended from a Badlands chieftain. Uh, okay, interesting. Oh man, that's a lot of like context clues going on here. Yeah. And the final one uh, is the prisoner um, who is wearing this bulbous helmet uh, with like one eye totally covered. Um, here, I'll, I'll link you to this so you can uh, yeah, let me see what, what you're looking at here. A look at the prisoner. Um, He's pursued by a white bubble on an island. No, wait. <laughs> Different prisoner. Um, it says uh, and it looks weird as hell. Well, that is weird as hell. Yeah. Um, a prisoner bound in an iron mask studied in glintstone sorcery, having lived among the elite prior to sentencing. Um, okay. So, so maybe the magic well, was frowned upon and that that's why they are a prisoner. It's, it's hard to say. Yeah, I could well be. I mean, wow. What a, what a weird look, what a, a daring design. Yeah. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, you know, I first thought as the prisoner, so this is going to be your, um, your hard as fuck playthrough class. But now this glintstone sorcery thing makes me think like, no, maybe, maybe they're defying convention here. And instead of this being your most stripped down possible class choice, maybe it's just something that's like really different. Yeah. As far as, as far as your point of departure. Um, do we know whether Elden Ring structurally will have the, uh, flexibility for you beyond your starting class that um that the the other soulsborn games have had as far as like hey you've got a core stat distribution but if you decide that you really want to push off in a different direction well it's not necessarily a restriction or uh certainly seems to be the the case from what i've seen yeah interesting starting class is just your gear and your starting stats but from there you can you can do uh whatever you wish Sure. Although certain starting stats really strongly are beneficial for pursuing a path. Uh, it certainly has been, has been the case previously. So it's like certain classes that you, you wouldn't start if you wanted to go down a certain direction because your point deficit for that stat is just too high. Right. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. I mean, what do you think? Do you think that the prison, that the prisoner is going to be, um, the, uh, the, the most kind of, um, deficit class character? Um, there's still as rumors that there will be a deprived uh, style class where you just have like a loincloth and a. That was a the one I was trying to think of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be surprised if we didn't see a full on uh, deprived as well. Yeah. Especially given the reference to the Squintstone sorcery thing in this of like, oh, this noble born or whatever with this particular form of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be very interested to see how they approach magic in this game. Uh, if it's kind of on the three path format of Dark Souls, or if there are you know more or fewer ways to engage in, in magical practice, there's already we know there's already a holy, holy mm-hmm. magic type from some of the other class descriptions, if I recall correctly. Yeah, um, I don't remember seeing anything that would resemble pyromancy so far, but right. who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Because there is that other kind of battle mage, like Eldritch Knight type class, right? And I don't remember that saying anything about glintstone sorcery. So maybe that is you know, more, more divided than the schools of magic 
um, more schools of sorcery and Dark Souls, right? Where it's like, no, you're using the same stat and pursuing the same stuff, um, regardless of, uh, you know, they're just spells that you get later in the game or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. With a different flavor. So, um, oh, very intriguing. Man, that is just a hideous. I guess the character face design isn't going to matter too much for this one. <laughs> right. Good point. At least not for the start of the game. Right. Um, cool. Well, that was this week's Elden Ring watch. Only, I guess, two more watches to go and then we will be Elden Ring playing. And then our watch is over. Yes. Watch will have ended. Um, well, we're going to mix up the more accurate. Yeah. the the flow just a minute here and segue directly into Tell Me About. Okay. Uh, because my Tell Me About is related to what we just looked at uh, being Elden Ring. Okay. And uh, uh, I'm going to be putting you on the spot here a little. Uh, a big surprise. Uh, but... Um, I'm just shocked. Shocked, yeah. I tell you. Uh, Moses, I'd like it if you would tell me about uh, three potential names for your Elden Ring character. Oh, wow. And only one of them can be a Johnson. Well, I mean, there's only been one Johnson proper. But you're well, I mean, saying a Johnson... one of them can be a Johnson derivative. A Johnson adjacent, yes. A Johnson. <laughs> I got to, man. <laughs> Is it like and A now, apostrophe? No, 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 no apostrophe. Just A, all one word, A Johnson. A Johnson. You just handed that one to me. I don't know if I'm actually going to go with it. Partially, it depends on how many characters I create. Um, but I don't think that my first Elden Ring character will necessarily be uh, of the Johnson, Yarnson Yarnston, etc. Uh, derivations. Elden Ring possible, possible character names. There's a whole bunch of world built around here with a lot of different peoples from different places. Mm-hmm. And so, really choosing uh, a name that is going to be, uh, you know, in line with a character class that feels like it is could be a person that comes from that place, seeing as the classes. Well, I don't know actually. I don't know if all of the classes are going to be tied that way certainly that wasn't the case um in the original dark souls you know you chose your 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 feature default set from the character races that had no bearing on your stats whatsoever right right so i'm gonna go with no don't don't auto correct a johnson what what are you thinking computer why wouldn't i want to write a johnson (laughs) um i like the name parlo like Barlow with a P. Okay, I like it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go Credia. C-R-E-T-I-A, Credia. If I, if I choose a female character for the first one. And uh, hey, hey, you've just saved me a bunch of time uh, that I will not be spending because I felt more on the spot. So I'm like, okay, no, let me just ramp this up. Let me come up with some good fantasy names that I feel good about. And um, who knows? That may well wind up directly informing how I go about. Maybe Credia is spelled with a K, not like with a C. Um, that may directly inform how I go about my uh, my Elden Ring character naming, um, not naming a uh, class selection. Um, yeah. Seeing as uh, seeing, I've already got some names to work with. So as I like dial through the class screen and figure out what class I want to roll up, um, yeah, that's a. Uh, and hey, and hey, my second or third character may well wind up being a Johnson. <laughs> and in a way, it's not even part of the Johnson lineage because it's like 
a Johnson. It's like a moral or atheist. Like it is not. Exactly. It's like anti Johnson. And, and also <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel less of, I, I probably had a Johnson based character name in Bloodborne. I can't remember. Um, I've only launched one character in that game so far, but I, I don't feel the same need to keep it within the lineage here because it's very clearly unlike dark souls where you've got these related worlds. This is, absolutely a distinct a distinct world a totally different place with its own history that mm-hmm. uh in no way uh inter intersects with um any of that stuff yeah well good good effort man i, I like yeah. those i think you've got some some successful names there hey if i toss off parlo or credia for um for for this game then i've got some some ready mades for like a D campaign or something else I've, I've got some good names to go with that i've never used before yeah, and uh, so hey, it was uh, time well spent. I not the time time on the podcast is always time well spent. Let's be real here. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if we're uh, if we're skipping to tell me abouts here, I, I, I spooled up a few different possible ones for you. Actually, I decided I didn't want to be like stuck on a given week with no good tell me about. Um, so for this week, uh, I'll give you kind of a, what's probably a softball. Um, Game-related NFTs, for yeah. or against, or somewhere in the middle, and why? Um, against. Uh, I told pretty, you it was softball. Yeah. Pretty, pretty vehemently. Um, and let's move right along. No, just kidding. I, the why <laughs> is going to be the more interesting part of this question. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm sure nothing that that you you haven't heard of, but uh, I mean, you could pick one downside to nfts and it would be enough like the uh environmental uh devastation uh that is required to mint something on the blockchain um you know just for this sort of proof proof of ownership this fake you know it's not fake but you know what i mean like this intangible uh, non-fungible uh some some might say uh um you know it's just silly and destructive and and irresponsible and doesn't need to to be necessary. Let me push you further. If we were to table, say the entire concept of cryptocurrency and NFTs had been approached in a way that was not inherently environmentally problematic, understatement of the year. Mm-hmm. In that context, the idea of of NFTs in association with video games almost seems like a natural fit it 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 does and it almost raises the question though of why it even needs to be an nft like okay i i have a game and i unlock a skin in it or i unlocked a new character in vampire survivors just now why do i need that to be unique or in any way verifiable or anything i mean if i was playing an mmo and it's like i literally have the only sword that but again why do we need but at that point, again, yeah. uh, you know, unless somebody's ripping into your code and fucking around, then there is only one of that object in your code base, right? In principle. Yeah, like the 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 one mount per server from like the Encourage event in mm-hmm. uh, World of Warcraft, I assume was just as it was stated. There was only one of those and not that hard to do. Um, but the reason that might it's be more all... difficult now. The level of hacking is definitely more sophisticated than it used to be, but yeah, that's true. Um, but it's you know all feeding into this 
what is essentially uh, like a giant pyramid scheme, uh, which is the other side of the coin where, you know, the only value is if someone else is going to take this from you for, for this supposed value and there's no actual real value being like produced or, or stored anywhere. Uh, and these people are so desperate to drive up the cost of these these apes and and whatever else is out there. Uh, and I have a friend, you don't want friend to be the one sent me an article bag. recently that uh, the apes may in fact be like anti-Semitic or something. Oh no. Really? Oh yeah. It gets like this stuff just gets Ooh. worse. It just gets worse. Um yeah. I needless to say, I I did say this was a bit of a softball. Um because I, I, I knew where you were going to answer on this one. And obviously I'm in line with, with all of this. I think that, I think NFTs are abhorrent. I think they're stupid, actually. It's not just mm -hmm. abhorrent. That's, I think that cryptocurrency, frankly, is abhorrent. I think NFTs are dumb. Um, and, you know, probably some people out there calling me old-fashioned right-clicker. But you know what? Um, I, I definitely don't take offense at being called a right-clicker. <laughs> Like, oh, no, I have used a basic functionality of computers to capture a copy of an image that, in theory, I was not supposed to capture. And why exactly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> pretty ridiculous. I don't if, if you and maybe you've already done so. But if you want to lose like a year of your life in, in pure cringe, the uh, Paris Hilton on Jimmy Fallon talking about their apes, it just hurts. It hurts so bad. You could tell the audience isn't on board but they still like have to applaud and like yeah somebody holding up a flashing applause yeah, sign only yeah, you know like, the digital version thereof it it oh it hurts to watch that it's so so bad so bad if you yeah. do not applaud we will flood the audience with covid <laughs> um <laughs> i haven't watched yeah. it but maybe i will just to, to torch myself a little bit yeah so all right, I think we can consider this one settled. We should notify the industry and they can cease and desist all uh, actions in relation to, to NFTs immediately. And um, move back on to fungible game tokens. Amiibos people, let's right. let's scale this up across a wider variety of platforms. I, you know, Everybody likes cool little things that Griffin McElroy can shove in his mouth. Yeah, give me that, give me that zero suit Samus. <laughs> uh, man, I'm trying to think there was a, Oh, I was watching the Nintendo Direct, and there was something about a mouth and a thing, and uh, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to bring that up for for next time. It was very Griffin esque. We'll we'll file it away. We'll file it away for the future, yes. um, where all such future things should be filed in the future file. Exactly. Uh, but for now, we're going to be looking into the past uh, because we are returning to our feature of the show called what I love about because it's time for what I love about yeah I this is also going to be uh, probably a pretty quick shot for me um, but I just wanted to share a, a little love for the past your uh, what I love about buying toys off the shelf uh, games off the shelf going to the Toys R Us experience yeah. um, evoked another games related experience of days of yore um, Egghead Software. Hmm. So Egghead Software was, if, if you weren't getting ripped copies of, uh, you know, six and a half inch, uh, six and a half inch, uh, <laughs> five and a quarter hike uh, discs from friends, which of course we all were as well. But if you were buying something new um, uh, back in the day for your computer games, that was where you went. And 
um, I have no no doubt that Egghead's primary primary um, you know money makers were the productivity software tools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember their shelves being lined primarily with stuff that didn't make sense to or interest me particularly much. Um, and also, if you're like googling around right now, I had a little bit of trouble coming up with the types of images that I was looking for as I was trying to track down some reference images for for Egghead. Um, but it's definitely uh, where uh, my mom would bring my brother and I every once in a while to get a new computer game. And it's definitely where I acquired games like Perils of Rosella. Uh, it's definitely, which was King's Quest IV to, to, to be a little bit more specific. I think that we got copies of most of the Infocom games that we had from there. Definitely Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because we absolutely had the box for that one. Um, you know, I think maybe, I think we might've had the original Zork in a box too. Uh, seeing as the, like, this is a totally separate what I love about. Many people have written about how, like, those old Infocom games came with random game paraphernalia, like elements in the box, but some of which were actual clues for for solving those text adventures. Um, Mm. But that was actually part of the magic of of going to a store like Egghead and buying actual physical media discs during that period of time, much like, you know, your, your classic Nintendo or, or Sega, uh, Nintendo, Nintendo or Sega, Sega or Nintendo, terrible alternate reality that we fortunately don't live in. Um, how like the manuals were, were like a big deal, right? Yeah. How, how you'd crack open that box and you'd want to be getting into the manual. I mean, uh, computer games tended to have a manual, yeah, but also they usually have some kind of little auxiliary bits in, uh, of some sort. Not all of them were as kind of in-depth as, as the Infocom ones. Um, and then I very distinctly remember that there was like a bargain bin that I don't know if they had it from the beginning of Egghead um, of, of games that you could just go and root around in. Hmm. I think that I got a copy of Pools of Radiance, which is one of the like classic uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, you know, CRPG games. Um, that I probably never made it very far in. Um, but I think I probably got Bard's Tale 2 off of the shelf there. Uh, you know? So it's just that, again, that fond memory of, of a physical store, of looking at these mysterious boxes with a wonderful art on the shelves. Um, and in this case, unlike going to Toys R Us, which was its own delight, a place that was inherently nerdy as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, definitely, this is, this is a software store in a time before everybody had computers. Um, and certainly long before lots of people identified as video game players. Yeah. So, um, you know, Egghead got, I think, absorbed by Amazon eventually mm-hmm. um, with a theoretical promise that they were going to like do some kind of a hybrid float of like, yeah, we'll keep your, your uh, brick and mortar stores and fold them into kind of an outlet of our service. And um, Amazon did what Amazon does. <laughs> uh, I think somebody has licensed Egghead as a brand to use it for some other purpose now. Uh, I don't know if it's affiliated with Newegg in any way, shape, or form. I did not do my research on that yeah. one. Uh, when I first saw Newegg, I assumed it might be, but I, I feel like maybe it wasn't. Um, but uh, yeah, just kind of relishing some of those memories of, uh, of again, a physical media and uh, of those, those shiny game boxes. And of course, of the occasional like, oh, that looks cool. Oh, shoot, IBM. I can't play that on my Mac. Oh, yeah. It wasn't even a Mac. It was Apple. That won't play on the Apple IIe. Sad face. <laughs> And so, it's got yeah. this uh, this great. I mean, he looks a bit like like uh, old Albert Einstein. Oh, he uh, was the, definitely trying the Eggman, the mascot here. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, totally ridiculous mascot. Um, definitely evokes those fond memories. Uh, you know, I think in relation to a, a 
a game I just ranked the other the other week. I'm pretty sure that I got Prince of Persia uh, at um, at Meghead as well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, back in 2002, I see a CNET article: uh, Amazon buys Egghead to relaunch site. Um, and it also refers to Amazon as a giant e-tailer. An e-tailer. Uh, which, uh, why not, CNET? It's 2002. Anything's possible. They were anticipating the need for digital clothes for your NFTs. They were an e-tailer. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. No, that's not, no, not that type of tailor. The only NFT I need is a new fashionable T-shirt. That's, you know, it's a very, that's a very Simpsons-esque line there. <laughs> I appreciate that. And anybody who knows the callback I'm going for telekinesis people we're moving right. objects with our minds simpatico um fantastic yeah the, you know going yeah just being able to go into a place you know i'm thinking back to like software etc and the janesville mall you know it had a smell to it there was like that plasticky kind of aroma uh, oh, yeah. and rooting through the bargain bins and buying used game boy games and you know it was definitely it was no, and I remember software, et cetera, is a good, another good example. And, you know, and, and the key being like, um, those retailers before the only retailers left were, uh, were resale places. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's like, reminds me of the warehouse too. Um, as far as like for, for music, for music purposes, that whole rooting around through that, that bargain bin, hoping for that, you know, one in a hundred, piece of media that you actually wanted with in and amongst just dozens like uh terrible carts that you knew you didn't want to try right right um cool let us uh press ahead then into our next feature of the show it's time for the last time for a while sadly for paul and moses your baseball update Yeah, sure enough. So we have concluded the final short circuit, the final bizarre and buggy short circuit. And, um, you know, uh, the website is, is, is wiped clean. Yeah, sort of reverted back. It's talking about an event on January 24th, which is obviously past. It's not totally scrubbed, but you can't even see the uh, standings from the end of the short circuit. Everything's just gone. Right. This yep. was not a good one for the tacos, but you know, that's okay. Yeah. Magic made it into the playoffs and uh, I watched a bit of the uh, playoff action um, as the flowers uh, beat them and then uh, went on to win, win it all uh, it against all. the, uh, the worms, I believe. Um, and, uh, or no, it was the, the wings. It was the wings and, and the flowers and the wings had been having a really good season. I yeah. noticed the magic kind of uh, elevated over the course of the the first week. Mm-hmm. Didn't necessarily start off super strong, if I recall correctly, but but y'all kind of made a charge for it. So I was, but I, I'll admit I was a, your classic bad sports fan and really kind of stopped paying attention after my team was out of the running. Yeah. Um, and speaking of wings, I saw Jay at the grocery store and he said that he is now uh, getting into baseball thanks yeah. to the pod. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that the wings wing, are, are he's his a wings team. fan. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, he is a wings fan. Yeah, yeah, we chatted about it a little bit. Um, it's going to be delightful to talk with him about baseball once it gets going in earnest, because he's pretty much just experienced the short circuits, you know. Right. Um, so it, it's uh, it's going to be pretty cool to get his perspective once we really get uh, once we get into it for for real for real, which um, 
Oh, there they are. Tacos Discord. That's what I was looking for. So who uh, who charged the mound for you all? You know, I don't even know because, uh, as you said, it's been wiped now. I'm sure I could dig through the Discord and and find out. Um, and I'm not even sure. Do you know what effect that had or is going to have? I think we all still collectively believe, collectively, eclectically, collectively believe that players that charge the mound during the circuits uh, will wind up on the roster. Okay. Um, you know, come the true, the, the, the return of the first true season um, of the, the new, the new baseball, the, the new, new era, the next era. Yes. The next era. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like, I, I don't know. I'm not seeing should be the last election for the circuit. Da, 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 da. Um, Lila Rivers was definitely the one that the tacos were, were talking about the most on, on the discord. Not my, um, not the best name of all the, the, the possible players. Oh man. No Melty uh, was, uh, but I, you know, I, I, I keep up just enough with, uh, with that team banter with the fan banter to uh, make sure that I'm not going, going against the team. It's just, would uh, be very contrary to my impulse to uh, it'd be one thing if I were wandering around like a babe in the woods without a clue and just throwing votes willy nilly because I didn't know any better. But like, once you know, then it does feel really irresponsible to go and cast your votes around without it being kind of a more united effort. Right. And, you know, and it's cool if you're, if your fan base is divided, you can do your research and pick a side. Um, but at least over the course of these short circuits, which is most of the time I've been engaged on the tacos discord, I'm doing my best to, to, you know, follow orders, so to speak, go with the consensus of people who are doing a lot more research than I'm taking the time to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I, I definitely warmed up to the format as, as it went on uh, with the exception of, of the betting, which we discussed last week. Um, but uh, I even had the pleasure of watching uh, Joey T Badger uh, uh, and I forget her name of the SIBR um, website, but they they commentated on the the internet series and I watched uh, the last bits and, nice. you know, he's got like the soundscape going with the crowd noises and the crack of the bat and everything that he can cue in. Oh, cool. When those things happen. And it was like, shit, I'm watching baseball again. Like this is, this is good stuff. You and I are definitely gonna have to organize some, some watch parties of that stream yeah. Uh, once uh, once things get underway, and uh, at the very least, uh, the two of us. But who knows? We might even might even get some folks to join in. You never know. You never know. Right. Um, so yeah. Lastly, uh, from me uh, with baseball, at least, is when it is returning. Uh, we don't know exactly when, but the word is summer. Oh man, that's a long drought. It is. Long drought, dark night, something yeah. of something something, baseball. It got us through the the worst of the winter. You know, these short circuits were a nice, nice little reprieve. Yeah, um, agreed. And, it, you know, it'll be here before we know it. But uh, as as we're sitting here now, it does seem uh, awfully far away. You know, I just hope that they're going to uh, bring back idols. And yeah. um, hopefully they've learned something from the from the different vote mechanics and the different, um, you know, league, the play structuring mechanics that they've played out. I'm sure they have. They've probably learned a lot. The question is whether or not the data is actually going to be sensible. Um, hey, you and I will never know <laughs> unless we have some rare opportunity to, to, you know, get an interview on with uh, with with part of the, the game band beat. But um, I'm not counting on that. I'm just curious to see how it evolves. Yep. 
Uh, okay. And well, speaking of evolves, uh, we're going to evolve something of our own here in our oh, final no. feature <laughs> of the show. It's time for Make My Game. And Who Moses, is bringing us the game this week, Paul? Uh, Upper World Arts, which I, I, I like. It sounds cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, Underdark, Upper World, I don't know. Seems seems kind of highbrow, you know, like a sort of an auteur-led uh, studio, perhaps. Yes, but we're about to find out whether or not that name is ironic. It might very well be, because this week we're making The Castle of Hovercraft Online. The Castle of Hovercraft Online. Oh. Wow, okay, so online, again, unless this game is being super ironic in its naming convention, is really directly telling us exactly one component of what we have to make which is this is an online game an always online game a, a game where where players are in not necessarily a massive uh space that they that they meet but one in which you are there with live players doing doing real shit um yeah. virtually so it, the castle itself is of uh, an hovercraft like what yeah a little bit weird it's a little weird um, I, I feel maybe Upper World Arts is not an American studio, and this is a somewhat awkward translation. Because uh, otherwise, grammatically yeah. speaking, Castle of Hovercraft just is really rough to wrap my head around. But if we can have a little bit of flexibility with that word of there, I think that maybe we can, um, we can, we can, you know, like uh, float and castle it a little bit, uh, or uh, possibly that uh, Hovercraft's um, you know, come and go from said castle. It, it, it might not necessarily be, need to be floating itself. Mm -hmm. um, this is our second hovercraft-based title. So I think that it's important that we se separate it from our first hovercraft-based title, uh, which was very physics-y uh, and loosely controlled. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's probably more important in this game, especially given the online nature of it, to cut the chaos a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally like the idea that the castle is like the central location in a world, um, that this translation is like, like it's maybe a little bit rough, um, and that each player, uh, or team of players perhaps, um, has their, their craft. And this is where everybody comes centrally to congregate, but it's not the only site or location in which action or activity takes place. And you might have noticed as I was uh, as I was freestyling there, I, I pushed myself over a concept that I kind of like the idea of, which is instead of a standard single player MMO type thing, you know, mm. what if uh, you know your boat, your hovercraft, requires at least a few roles? Yeah. Um, and so it has to be uh, perforce a co-op multiplayer, like small multiplayer experience with a gateway into a larger space for for interaction with uh with the large play community yeah yeah i'm into that um and also yeah i was i was thinking the same thing with the castle being a singular entity uh as opposed to castles you know um yeah this, this is the castle of hovercraft it's the castle of hovercraft um so maybe hovercrafts are necessitated due to the hostile terrain Oh yeah, I'm thinking perhaps a poisoned world. Um, yeah, where most places you can't you can't be like you can't be walking or rolling 
So you got to be, you got to be some ways off of the ground and most ground or water most of the time. It could almost be a Sea of Thieves type experience. I dig that. Uh, medieval Sea of Thieves with, with like magical, magical influences. Um, and I like the idea of teaming up and maybe you can even join together teams and create like sure. a flotilla of sorts. Oh, I like it. So instead of like your standard, um, um, standard kind of mechanic with, uh, with tribes or, or what have you, mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll come up with, yeah, flotilla, actually. Why not a flotilla? You can form flotillas. Um, also, let me, let me throw a, a concept to you that um, what if the, the UI is a little more FTL-ish as opposed to like Sea of Thieves first person-y? Um, or it doesn't have to be have to be FTL per se, mm-hmm. um, but and then in addition to that, uh, what if the players aren't anchored to a single character? Like each player has a has a can grow out a set of crew members mm-hmm. that they can choose which crew member they're they're going to run with. Um, and if you're under crewed, if say only two of you are on, maybe you can you can pull in, you can choose to run it as a two person run, or you can uh, or you can pull in. Uh, you know, AI crew members to, to, to run positions for you instead. Yeah. Uh, I like that. And, you know, maybe in a pinch they'll, they'll, they'll do, but, you know, always better to have like an actual person at, at their station. Um, like you've got maybe a four, four station minimum, right. Mm-hmm. That's like your, your optimal experience or maybe three, three might be nice just from uh, supporting you know, kind of easy grouping, easy grouping for players so that it's not quite as hard as getting a, a four squad together. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And now I'm seeing sort of a uh, lovers in a dangerous space time by way of mortal engines, which is a movie and a book that I did not see or read, but looked, I mean, it looks stupid, but it also looks cool. Like the big cities on wheels roving around and like absorbing other cities. So oh, like, yeah. what if it's, what if it's like hyper module, modular so like you can join this buttress to your thing and it has a cannon on it or even a ladder or a periscope or something i like and, it i know, like the, it the bigger it is the more power it needs perhaps the less maneuverable it becomes but then so you're, you're sort of balancing balancing those factors yeah and then like uh parallel to to the ftl piece i introduced like any player can pop into an inside versus outside of the ship view. Um, and while only one person is going to be driving at a given time for most hovercraft, although it might be interesting to be able to create certain like big beastly tanks that require two drivers and you have to coordinate to actually be going, going directions or setting your directions. Um, but, um, but otherwise there, there could be some unique roles that you might be doing from the outside of the craft versus the inside of the craft view. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as offensive or sighting or scouting or like um, maybe even deploying a, a mini jet ski hovercraft um, that like you can't you can't leave the castle on one of these because the amount of distance you have to travel to get anywhere where you do anything like does require you to be teamed up uh, but you can have like your little fighters basically that you can like send off and especially with like a larger craft you might really be like, oh yeah, no, we want to run a big craft where you, we can deploy a, a whole little squadron because we yeah. specifically want to go like run missions that are uh, conquering missions or something, right? Or or defense missions for the castle. Yeah. Um, 
and getting back to the the castle here uh yeah the castle to me could be a a hub you know with a market and, and all that stuff or it could be the ultimate objective it would be to to control the castle and i think i'm leaning more towards the latter oh i like that and then that it could is, be both yeah 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 that no reason it um, can't be you know that you have you can have flotillas that roll up into larger factions um and you can also be unaffiliated so you can be running your little like your little rogue group and you only are accessing shady docks mm-hmm. um but if you choose that you want to play that way you have that you have you know black market stuff that if you're playing above boards and trying to do castle control and kind of like how with world of warcraft there was like very different ways to be playing the game you could be engaged in in trying to run the market there right um other players didn't give a damn about it but like formalizing that you can be engaged in the big like evesk you can be engaged in the big big power struggle for control of mm-hmm. the castle um and then if you are and you're affiliated with one of those those bigger factions you have you know uh benefits and and uh and deficits that are based off of your positioning and your political play right mm-hmm um, but then if you want to, if you want to play rogue, then you've just got this whole other part of the game and you could even choose to split your little crew off at some point. Um, but it might be hard to get back into faction. Mm-hmm. Um, I would personally envision that being a little bit more rules, AI structured than, um, tightly player controlled or, uh, or, or game devs managed, you know, GMs managed rather than player controlled because, Otherwise, the politics of of game factions and the the shittiness of people could really become a, a potentially bad toxic space. Always, always a potential outcome for sure. Um, it's one thing if you've got toxic crews, but if you've got large scale faction activities and competition at a big scale in your game, I feel like it's it, it, a political intrigue, <laughs> dominance, and such are already themes. You maybe want a little bit of uh, of of game mastering to keep things on rails. Yeah. Um, I guess one final thought I had on on the castle and maybe the game as a whole. What if the castle itself is also hovering, but is extremely slow and difficult to move, but you can attach like boosters and trying to push it in a specific direction to get it nearer to like your controlled territory controlled territories. on the yeah, map. Yeah, I like so there's that. There's like hovercrafts on different sides of it, like in a tug of war. Uh, slowly pushing it across the map that sounds super epic i love that idea and i think um not only does it add a really cool uh cool kind of um control of space slash time uh dimension to the game but you can even have motivations of um you know of certain groups trying to be like no we actually want the castle unaffiliated as much mm-hmm. as possible others are trying to drive towards a specific affiliation and some are maybe trying to bridge and be like well listen between you know red and yellow we want both of them to have good play and good access, but we don't want it to be too dominantly controlled by red or yellow. So like, you know, getting some machinations going on there where you're instead feeding green um, or trying to let green know that you're, that you're hiding your motivation for feeding them to keep it from le- edging too far to yellow. I'm mm-hmm. just arbitrarily choosing colors because I don't want to sit here and try and come up with <laughs> names of uh uh, of a for for factions in a game that um yeah I, I, i'm played out on names for that. right i was gonna say you've you've done enough i mean you know yeah otherwise i'm gonna be all about like well the you know faction parlo and 
faction credia and wait a second now it's a cost faction a johnson will dominate them all <laughs> uh cool well i think i think we've cracked it once again uh for this week uh from upper world arts is the castle of hovercraft online i've got to say paul you and i have talked more than once about the idea of an mmo type game that would really break mmos as we know them mm. and we have just seeded concepts for an mmo type game that would really break mmos as we know them and could be really interesting it could be a total disaster but uh but at the very least it would not be a typical you know action bar fantasy hero leveling type structure yeah um and sorry i just got distracted by my own thoughts because I, I meant to tell you earlier because i was thinking of moses massively moses like a mo 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 or something um but all that is to say it reminded me that i hatched my fourth uh raptor uh oh, you did. yesterday and i named him moses oh so there's just a horrible bloodthirsty little creature <laughs> running around on your farm with my name yep yeah well i i know raptors theoretically exist in this game um it'll be probably a little while before i see them from rpg y'all in case you were uh, wondering what we're driving back to there okay. for I'm just guessing that, you know, a number of our listeners uh, hear us prattle on about this game and have no particular urge to pick it up themselves. And that's OK. It is. I mean, they're wrong, but it is their, it is their right. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we wrap up, one other thing I wanted to mention, there's another game that dropped this month that I'm going to pick up at some point this year. Um, and I just wanted to slip it your way as well. Ollie Ollie World. Yeah looks uh, you know from the clips that i've seen and i know it, it just came out um if i weren't so up in canada right now i would probably have been like yeah i'm gonna keep this tradition new new year's tradition of getting new games up in the mix but that's one i'm gonna i'm gonna check out so you know if you're listening you're looking for a new game to play um looks appealing cross uh re released on more than one platform for sure yeah uh yeah thanks for the reminder on that and um I guess uh, in my own turn, I will say that uh, still looking forward to, uh, oh man, now I can't, uh, Windjammers, Windjammers 2. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're definitely going to be getting up in that one. That's yeah, going to be good. For sure. Uh, for the time being though, we are going to head into the goodbyes for our goodbyes. And Moses, thanks as always for being here with us this week. Paul, thank you as always for holding it down. And uh, you know, We'll be back next week. We certainly will. Uh, and thanks to everyone out there for listening to this week's episode of Paul and Moses Play. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, you can email us at paulandmosesplay at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. And until then, never, never stop, stop playing. playing.